Welcome to the audio presentation of Tom and Matt Attack. This week, we will be having your guest stars, Thomas Ross Parry and Matthew Stephen Boyle, playing the parts of Thomas Ross Parry and Matthew Stephen Boyle. Please enjoy this audio presentation. Good evening, or Hello. good day, or good afternoon, or whatever time of day it is that you're listening to this podcast. Because that's the joy of a podcast, really, isn't it, Matthew? You can listen to it any time, any yeah. place. Anywhere. Except yes. underwater, unless you've got some kind of special underwater headphones. Mm. Could you listen to it underwater? I reckon James Cameron's in his little submarine. I reckon he listens to it underwater. James Cameron? Yeah, James Cameron's got a little submarine. The film director. Yes, he even mm. made a documentary where he had a little think, submarine. Do you think James Cameron listens listens to our podcasts? I hope so. Somewhere deep down, I do. Yeah. So, so how Matt, are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty good. Not 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 so bad. You're a little bit tired today. A little, a little bit tired, so you'll have to excuse me if I'm so not firing on all cylinders this evening. It's all right. I'll carry you on my on my shoulders. Yes. Or in my arms, in a fireman's lift, I will carry you across the threshold of this podcast. Wow. Okay. As you can tell, I'm full of energy. On it's the enough to make me swoon. Now, Matt's been out exercising, though, isn't it? I have. I've been running. Blood's pumping. I've stayed at home and eaten, eaten a steak. Yeah, Tom's eaten a steak. He didn't prepare one for me. It's not like a housewife there's situation. One, there's, there's one in the fridge. Oh, I could have a steak. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, how's your weekend gaming been, Tom? My weekend gaming's been all right. You know, I've, I've dabbled. You've dabbled? I've dabbled. I, I seem to... Find myself buying at least something every week, so uh, that's a good thing. I've bought quite a few things. I didn't really think I was going to buy much this week, but yeah, <laughs> I, I got I got a few things. Oh, you make me laugh. Yeah, I, I've also got some some gaming tragedies. I've been teasing it most of the morning on Twitter, telling mm. people in the excitement of what I may have been going to get, and then the heartbreak of it not being no, there. I, someone I, picked. Me to the post. I thought it was dead certain that if you go out there, go all the way to this other city to collect this game, that you get what you you are after. I still got some bargains though. I'm mm. I'm still happy with my my three hour excursion. On yeah, do you want to tell the audience what you were what what happened basically this morning? Um, pretty much. I I woke up around eight o'clock. We'd been to a party last night, but I didn't really drink a lot, so I just kind of. Did my usual thing of being on the biological clock of the working man, woke up mm, at eight o'clock. I know that. And was just kind of like, oh, okay, it's eight o'clock. So I was, you know, lethargically answered some Facebook messages and stuff from the night before and had a look over eBay just on the watching list and this kind of stuff. Answered a few tweets. And then I was like, oh, I'll, I'll check. And as I mentioned last week, I used a service called DBA. I thought, oh, I'll have a look at DBA. And... It's a Danish eBay. It's a it's kind of like a Danish eBay, but more like a free ads. It's just where people post up listings of yeah. the things they have. Yeah. And I kind of do it most mornings. I don't tend to do it on the weekends because I'm not usually up early or I'm usually out gallivanting somewhere. But if I'm on a train or whatever, I'll check it. So I was like, oh, I'll have a look. And nine o'clock this morning, there was an ad posted, several games, one or two consoles, 
and the prices were astounding. So enamoured was I with the prices that I shot out of bed and started getting dressed as I was texting the bloke, telling him I was coming to get them. Because I've used this site before, and like a few times I've tried to buy a Game Boy, and like I had one last week where I was going to buy three Game Boys with like 10 games for 100 kroner. And then people just don't seem that to honour your agreement of saying like, okay, I'll pay you this much, tell me your bank account details, I will put the money in. Hmm. And then it kind of starts sometimes into a bidding frenzy where people are trying to outbid you because obviously, you know, like I've said to you before on the podcast, people, there's not a lot of retro games to be had in Denmark, really, short of like Game Boy stuff or found in car boots. So, you know, used to people just like bidding. So I was like, right, nobody's getting these three games. I'm going to that city. I'm picking them up and I'm coming home. A champion of retro hunting. And... Those three games were a boxed copy of Zelda, A Link to the Past, in immaculate condition, with all manuals, with the map, with the inlay. A copy of Lagoon, another JRPG, um, which is a nice game. It's a bit hard, because you've got very short reach your soul, but it's a good title. Especially, again, mint, immaculate, boxed. And then... Uh, I even say a Scandinavian copy of Soul Blazer, arguably the rarest game on the Super Nintendo in immaculate condition with an English manual, an English box, and everything that would have gone with it. All of it for 700 kroner. And I missed out on it by seconds, apparently. And I... I honestly, straight up, as soon as I got there and I got some other purchases, which I'll mention later because I've got a nice segue into those. Oh, um, sexy To segue. the guy, I was just kind of like, I will literally give you 1,000, 1,500 kroner for Soul Blazer. The game is worth boxed. There's currently a copy on eBay for around 700 pounds. And I have a cart, so I could have replaced mine with this cherry one if I had decided to keep it. And even sold my cart for about three, four hundred pound. And then I could have got Earthbound, I could have got Lufia One, I could have got so many other retro games off the back of this purchase, as well as being able to upgrade my copy of Link to the Past and Lagoon to box mm. copies that were immaculate. Oh, it's seconds. Soul Blazer thing. I, I looked on eBay myself and there's an American copy of it. There's an American copy of it, yeah. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. The PAL copy is ridiculously rare. There is a copy currently on there that is by now £699. There is. The German copy, less rare. I think there's one on there for about £120. Yeah, that, that's But right. it's still obscure. It's just the fact that it's German. And obviously, not a lot of people outside of Germany speak German. So it doesn't really sell for that much. Mm. But, yeah, heartbroken. It is one of the rarest games to find and... And there's some lucky chap uh, managed to snaffle that from under your nose. And I bet it nose. appears on eBay. I bet if you keep an eye on eBay this week, it will appear on eBay. Yeah, for a lot more than... For a lot more than I would have got price. it. Yeah. yeah, never mind. Never mind. Yeah, but I bought some other games. I'll talk about them in a second. Okay. Have you got any gaming tragedies like that? Have you ever d seen anything in the wild that you think, oh, I should have picked up and I didn't? Because, I mean, I've seen Panzer Dragoon Saga once mm. for £40. 
and I didn't have a Saturn. I had no interest in getting a Saturn. I knew it was rare. I knew it was an RPG, but I thought, ah, oh, I'm never going to buy a Saturn. It occasionally works that way when you see a game that's for a f- console you don't have, and then you think, well, I won't get it because I've got that console, and then down the line you do get one, and you, you regret not having bought it. Um, I, d- I did want Vib Ribbon for a time, yeah, and uh, <laughs> when it w- I didn't have a PlayStation, and I urged my uh, friend uh, Gareth to get it. Uh, in the end, his brother ended up getting it. Right. Um, and they would enjoy that game. And I, I got round, went round and played it a few times and enjoyed it. And uh, then years down the line, uh, Gareth was going to sell this copy of uh, Vib Ribbon without telling his brother. And he think he sold it to me for about a tenner. Nice. Which was quite nice. But I don't know how rare. Th- it's not what, like your situation there. But like I've had uh. a f- I've <laughs> honestly, I've had a few and like... Fortunately, usually when I see these rare games in the wild that make up my collection, um, the Psychodens, the Terranigma, the Symphony of the Night, all of these more elusive RPG titles. And, you know, even like I've got the Mega Man X games for the PlayStation 1, which are pretty pricey. I seem to get them at a good price. And I Mm. always seem to have, you know, like I I think I paid... £10 for Symphony of the Night like three or four years ago in Game Station, just it was in the PS1 pile. Yeah. Um, Psychodens never cost me, I think I paid £40 for the first one and I got the first one dirt cheap in a cash generator. I can't remember how much. But yeah, just one or two things I've seen and just kind of been like, ah, I should have bought you. Like, uh, over Christmas, I saw a copy of uh, Tales of Fantasia for the Game Boy Advance for £2. I had no money on me, and I said to the guy, I'll be back in a minute. And he goes, yeah, okay, I'll keep a few. And then when I came back, his wife was there, and he goes, oh, I sold that. And I was just like, never mind. No. Water under the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you been playing this week, Tom? Well, uh, this week I have been playing, I wrote down uh, as, as usual, a little list here, which I shall, list. Uh, shall bring up on my uh, fantastic electronic uh, device. Okay, so um, I played a little bit of 007 Legends right. the other day. Okay. So uh, I was interested in this game. It's made by Eurocom. Who, on uh, the Wii, right? No, it's for the Xbox. Oh, came out yeah. on Xbox and PlayStation 3. Sorry, I'm confusing it with the GoldenEye the game. The GoldenEye yeah. uh, was... Originally released for the Wii and then later yeah. down the line released for the other formats. But uh, Double Seven Legends, okay. So the premise of this is uh, it starts off with that scene at the beginning of uh, Skyfall where Bond is shot on the top of the train. Yeah, and he falls into the and water. he falls into the water. So it's the idea of a near-death experience where he's in the water. Reliving you know, past reliving events past as past he memories. sinks. And it, it, it does a similar thing to what the uh, GoldenEye remake kind of did uh, to imagine in a modern setting with, um, what's his name? Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. Okay. Uh, classic Bond films. It begins with Golden. Uh, gold, Goldfinger, okay. sorry. Yeah. Goldfinger. Uh, oh, damn it. I was expecting you to say, like, oh, you played as the old Bonds. I was going to crack my Sean Connery impression out, but I can't. No, I'm sorry. Damn it. It's, it's a very unenthusiastic un- actor playing Daniel Craig. Yeah, now, I don't think it's Daniel Craig. Maybe it was. Maybe he's got like license just, obligations. Well, he wasn't enjoying it, whoever it was. Well, that's just <laughs> probably why. Because Daniel Craig is just like, I don't play video games. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So uh, I was I was quite interested in playing. So I've played all the Bond games. I enjoy GoldenEye on the uh, on the Wii. And prior to that, obviously the N sixty four game is an absolute classic and one of uh, the best games ever, maybe in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I've got high hopes for this. Um, yeah, pretty good. 
but a mixed bag, I, I'd say. Um, I don't think it's a fantastic first-person shooter, but it does try and do a lot of um, bondy, things. bondy things. As a Bond experience, I think it's rather cool because it just doesn't focus on the shooting. There's like uh, collecting evidence and there's a few stealthy sections, but it doesn't feel like it all gels together very well. It feels quite restricted. Right. Um, I noticed it straight away when uh, I was veering off the uh, the path. You know that there was go to the waypoint, go to the waypoint. Every time I went to look around somewhere else, I was being forced in this other direction. So it felt very very linear, more so than something like Goldeneye, for instance. Wow. So, but there are a lot of first person shooters like this nowadays, aren't they? Yeah, but you know, when you usually play a first person shooter like that, it's like a COD or a Battlefield where yeah. you just kind of run into points, run into points. You know, that was kind of the nice thing about GoldenEye on the N64. You could just wander into the top left and there's a guard on there and he's like, oh. Yeah, I should have expected it really because the uh, the GoldenEye and the Wii was very similar to Call of Duty. And this is, again, taking the Call of Duty mould. But I actually decided to play things up a little bit differently. And I got the option at the beginning to go for a classic mode. And in that um, mode, your health doesn't regenerate. You refill it with health packs and um, body armour. Yeah. So I thought, well, let's do this and it'll be like GoldenEye. But the game's not really built to work like that. Yeah. Because of the, the way it's so linear, you know, you, you start exploring, trying to find some body armor, and it's like, oh, don't do that. Okay. <laughs> so uh, as it was playing through this first mission, I, I didn't find much body armor and find myself having to ignore enemies and run past them because if I didn't, I was going to die in before the end got to the end of the level. Uh, so I don't know if... I, I, I think I should have played it the other way now. Yeah, maybe. Back. It sounds like it was built for the other way, especially if it's like... I, I, I do think again. so. Um, what I didn't like about the first-person shooting sections was as soon as you started playing it, people were just running at you and shooting. It wasn't that kind of you can just be a spy and pick them off. Yeah. That wasn't the kind of thing it was. It, it was running at you and shooting, and it was quite hard to see them. And and you had to do the auto-aim yeah. to actually get them. That's the really? only way you could play it. You've got to just press the left trigger to lock on your sights yeah. and then you can pick them off. Otherwise, it's impossible. They're okay. all running around and I didn't quite like that. Um, <laughs> but it was a Bond experience and I like Bond, so I kept playing, obviously. And then uh, the uh, the stealth bits came along, which felt, felt quite forced. Like, oh, here we are. Now we're in the stealth section. You can't shoot anybody. It just tells you, Rit. if you shoot somebody, the mission's over. So it's a totally different way of playing. So there was that bit. And then, right, now you've got to take some photos for evidence. And how they do it is kind of cool. You have a, a smartphone, actually, it's a Sony Xperia. Uh, uh. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you, uh, you can use, use, that to, uh, use that to do all kinds of things, like take photos, boop, boop. Uh, you can scan for uh, fingerprints. For those at home, Tom is holding his Sony Xperia and, and waving it around waving while it he around. takes Ooh. pictures. Um, <laughs> Sony aren't sponsoring this podcast, by the way. Um, Apparently sponsoring Bond, <laughs> though. Sponsoring Hooray Bond. for product placement. <laughs> uh, and there's quite a cool little feature, I thought, where um, to get through into uh, through a, a locked door with a security code, you could hold up your phone and you could see the fingerprints on the uh, buttons yeah. for the code. And uh, some fingerprints were more faded than others to show you kind of the sequence need to press them in because that had me a little bit stumped for a while oh yes it's the ones that have more faded that are the ones that you are first and so you can understand oh, the sequence okay. yeah. you see so uh, that was quite cool um so yeah i'm i think i'm yet to be sold on the game okay. i finished the first part of the um goldfinger mission yeah. uh i will go back to it but 
Mm. I'm dubious at the not moment. Not likely, not like, you know, your Batman or your Deadpool where you wanted to go play him again. It's just kind of... No, it didn't quite leave me with that, that feeling. No. Oh, that sucks. Have you played anything else? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Wowzers. I played a couple of other things, but n- none for as long as that. Um, I guess I'll take this opportunity to say, because I'm going to mention I've played uh, Forza Horizon, um, Killzone, and uh, Dragon Ball Z Super Sonic Warriors 2. Which I had a little crack at and seemed okay. Yeah, I was a fan of the original game on the Game Boy Advance, and it uh, kicks it up a notch for the, the DS version. Yeah. Uh, this is the original DS, not 3DS or anything like that. A reasonably hard game to come across nowadays. Uh, I remember that was something maybe a, a gaming regret. I remember seeing that in when I used to work at game and not buying it because I thought, well, I've got Supersonic Warriors 1. I don't need this one. I thought, well, I never picked it up. But Is I was that like, why I was you've got every version of tech I never made? Yeah, <laughs> well, the same thought I process. I was a bit more of a budget back then. <laughs> I couldn't just afford to buy what I wanted. Uh, so I've seen your PlayStation 2 collection. Yeah, but they were cheap. Ah, <laughs> uh, fair enough. <laughs> I got. I started collecting PS2 games uh, long after the PS2 was any kind of, you know, successful system. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. Its appeal was uh, dwindling. Dwindling at that point. Uh, so that's a great game. With I must point out a fantastic kind of uh, soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> the introduction music is really like heavy guitar. And guitar solos. Yeah, and just look at any AMV for Dragon Ball Z on YouTube, and you'll get the feel of the music. It's all yeah, but it plays metal. It plays very similar to the original game, which is a good thing, and it still holds up as one of the the better Dragon Ball Z fighting games. Two D fighter. Yeah, lots of characters on there. Yeah, it seems you good. You can fly around and have Dragon Ball Z. Kamehameha. Kamehameha to your heart's content. Uh, I also uh, picked up Forza Horizon for a very. This is my Danish deal of the week. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, we have another Danish deal. No, I was aware of this. I thought we'd better bring it back. 88 Krona. This is under yeah. £10. Forza Horizon. Really? It, didn't it only come out? like? Well, no, it's been out a while. There's a few games in... Um, Blockbuster. In GameStop. Oh, GameStop in the summer sale. Uh, okay, Darkness 2 was 88 Krona. I believe Mass Effect 3 is 88 Krona. I think Mass Effect 3 was also 88 Krona. That's pretty um, decent. So it's all those games released around that time. Uh, I've been wanting to play Forza Horizon for quite a while. It, I enjoy the demo. It's a bit of a, a loose, got a looser kind of feel to from the original Forza. Free roaming in there, you know. Uh, it's got the f- kind of the feel of um, Motorstorm in in terms of like it's like a party atmosphere. Yeah, you know, you're I racing could tell for fun. Yeah. Because you were you were shouting out the word GPS to my Connect <laughs> like a child, <laughs> so it would point you in the direction you needed to go. But uh, it it's pretty good. I think uh, if you're feeling a bit bored of the kind of now stagnant uh, Forza formula, then this shakes things up enough to uh, warrant a purchase, I think. Until you get driver tars. Yeah, well, I'm sure that will revolutionise uh, Forza and racing games. But, uh, yep, yeah, so so quite happy with that. Good price. Uh, Killzone, th- Killzone 1, sorry, was another game that I picked up. How did that compare to Bond? Because, I mean, you know, Killzone seems to be the same... Killzone, um, the original Killzone was released a long time ago, wasn't it? On, yeah, the, on yeah. the PS2. Uh, uh, this is the HD remastered version, which I must say looks rather nice. Big, you know, formatted for widescreen and looks quality of the visuals were sharp and yeah, and, good and quite gritty. That's yeah. a good thing about Killzone. Nice, nice grey and brown textures, I imagine. Very, very uh, kind of sandy, kind of beige in the first level. Beige! 
Um, it's a similar kind of affair as it's quite linear, one point to the other point to the other point. There's not any real room for exploration in, in at least this first stage. Because it's playing. a modern first-person shoot-down. It's not on the PC. <laughs> but I actually rather enjoyed uh, Killzone 3, and I've been wanting for some time to go back and experience some of the earlier games. Yeah, I've, I have a copy of Killzone 2. You're more than welcome to. Really? I think it is propping up a table in my house. Oh, I was thinking of picking up Killzone 2. Don't. Myself. You can have mine, Wow. Honestly. Okay, that's nice. That's a dangerous deal of the week right there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, one thing I noticed about Killzone straight away is when you fire your gun, it kind of moves the sights. It kind of recoils. So it, it kind of gets you off target. So you have to kind of wrestle with your gun a little bit, which I think is uh, quite nice and quite unique. I think to your kill zone. Yeah. Uh, the whole premise For of the time, I think, anyways. These hell gas guys are kind of cool. Yeah. You know? uh, well, it's kind of the the appeal of the game, right? Is the hell yeah. gas? You know, after Sony lied and showed footage that wasn't actually from the game while they were hyping it and going, "Yeah, oh, this is what we can do with it," and then it was all CG pre-rendered cutscenes. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy what I played of it. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to playing a bit more. It was quite a good uh, price on PlayStation Network. It's an offer at the mint, I think, uh, about five ninety nine. No, that's not too bad. Um, yeah. And that is it this week. I've played... Apart from the usual games. Yeah, I was going to say so Calibur. <laughs> well, actually, my, my main play this week is my main play of last week and the week before. And I'm almost there. I'm almost completed it now, so I can start moving on to other things. And I've played Earthbound. Mm. Surprise, surprise. Uh, yeah, it's as good as it is. It's getting even better every time I play it. I am in love with that game. So much so, a good friend of ours, Justin, who's uh, from the States, is actually in Chicago Comic Con at the moment. And he sent me a picture last night while mm. we were in the middle of a party, winding me up, showing me this big table of games, going, ha ha ha, look at all these games. I don't know what to buy. And I looked at it and I was just like, oh, you bastard. He's and not then, really into video games. Yeah, he's no. not at all. <laughs> but like, he's he's got good knowledge of Final Fantasy games. Like he the has, old Super he? Nintendo Final Fantasy games. Okay. He was naming creatures to me the other day. Right. Like, Ooh. Ooh. But I looked at the phone and then with my eagle-like vision, I turned my head sharply to the right and my eyes zoomed and I saw a cart of Earthbound amongst this cabinet of carts. And the things around it, short of one or two things that Conquer's Bad Fur Day and stuff, didn't really seem to be that rare carts. They didn't seem to be that sought after a game. So I just text back, check how much Earthbound is. And then he was like, oh, okay. And then he went up to the dealer and just texted me back and he said it's two hundred and fifty dollars. I was mm. just like, ha <laughs> Yeah, so never yeah, mind. But if you'd have maybe got this game, rare game. Today, I could have or... Yeah, I could have sold it. Could have got Earthbound, but never mind. It's okay. It's all it's all regular. It's okay. I'm playing it on the Wii U. I'm really enjoying it on the Wii U. Something about the RPG experience now and how last gen and this gen I've kind of had to play them on handhelds. Lends itself really nice to the Wii U gamepad that I'm really enjoying playing it on there. I hope to God Nintendo releases Mother 3 because I'm going to buy an Earthbound Zero cart at some point, I think. I'm that in love with this game. Mm. It's fantastic. Um, other than that, I've played Balloon Kid. Your recommendation. Did we speak about this last week? Um, I said I bought it. Never okay, we it never... Oh, right, okay. It's, it's a pretty fun game. Like, I paid, I paid a euro for it. And, like, 
I just it's in my bag at the moment because Kid Dracula involves a bit too much concentration sometimes yeah. in the morning for me to do some tricky platforming. So just Instant you know, gaming, floating well, up and down yeah. on my balloon. We did mention last week because I remember talking about it. Yeah, pressing the B button, cutting my balloons yeah. out, running along. It's good. And that's about it. I'm going to talk that about the other played. two in my boat section. Yeah. Right then, I'm going to transition to the boat section now and bring up the games I bought earlier. Right then, I've listened to a few things on the old Tintnet recently and just kind of jogging my memory of stuff and being British. And a big fan of the Chris Moyle show when that was on Radio 1. And there used to be a section on the Chris Moyle show called Tedious Link, which is a rip-off of a thing on Joe Wiley's Radio 1 show, I, I think. I don't know. I um, listen to Radio 2. I can't remember. <laughs> Radio <laughs> 2, you bloody would. You and Terry Wogan, <laughs> yeah. thick as thieves. Um, Steve Wright's Sunday Love Songs. Oh, God. Sounds of the 60s with Ken Bruce. I miss Jonathan Ross on Radio Jonathan two. Ross yeah, on Radio see, 2. All the good yeah. radio presenters are gone. Chris Moyle's are gone. Jonathan Ross is gone. Uh, Rob Brighton's on there, right? I don't know. I Obviously, don't know. just on BBC World. Anyway, I digress. But there used to be a section called Tedious Link. And the idea of this whole thing was, much like in a conspiracy theorist thing, you just link a load of games together. And I've said the word link quite a lot. So Matt's so going to be clever. Prepare yourself. We're going to be clever. And I don't know anything about this. This section is literally it's going to flow into our boats every week and it's going to end I on us. boats. Yeah, I know. But it's going to, it's going to end <laughs> on us doing boat games. And board on games? The board games, yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the game I've bought that week. Which yeah. will start off our bolt section. Okay. And yeah, um, right, um, I'll start with it. It's called A Link to the Past because it's linking and it's yeah. usually yeah, retro okay, go games. On, go on. And every week I'm going to start it with a Zelda fact. And this is the first try at it and I've put it together in about 10 minutes. So we're going to give it a crack. Oh, fantastic. I can't wait. Right, then. let's do this, Tom. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, come on, Matt. You... Right. Legend of Zelda Link to the Past was released in 1991 in Japan on the Super Famicom and the Super Nintendo Worldwide in 1992. Now, 22 years later, Nintendo released a sequel titled A Link Between Worlds on the 3DS. Of course, the 3DS is Nintendo's first 3D console. That honour belongs to the Virtual Boy, designed by Gopai Yokai and released only in Japan and the US. 19 games were released in Japan, while 14 made it to the States. If you take this to the original Pokedex of 151 Pokemon, 14 is Kakuna and 19 is Rattata. You can find Rattata on routes 1, 2, 4, 9, 16, 21 and 22. 16 is the number of bits used in the Turbo Graphics, Mega Drive, Neo Geo, AES and the Super Nintendo. The Super Nintendo had a habit of releasing new installments of popular franchises under the titles of Super, such as Super Star Wars, Super Tennis and Super Metroid, which I bought in the bloody big box. Oh, bravo. A link to the past. Yeah, I got Super Metroid. Which oh, that is was one kind of, of intense. I feel kind of worn out listening to. Are you that a little now. bit worn out? Yeah. Oh, it was I'm, really exciting I'm as well. Are you sweating? A little bit. Oh wow. Yeah. My right guard isn't working. I should have anti. You bought it in a big box. I bought why, it in. Why is it in a big box? It's in a big box because it comes with a seventy-two page guidebook that if you got that guidebook. I have that guidebook. I also have the manual. I have a little poster. I have everything that is in that box. Usually retails on eBay, goes for about 70, 80 quid, just buy it now, about £100. I paid 300 kroner for it. I'm a very, very happy boy. I've never owned it in the big box. I've only ever owned the cart, even when I was a kid. And so I'm really happy. 
Yeah, it's a pretty damn good thing, man. That's why Earthbound is so ridiculously expensive, because it comes in this big box, which is something Nintendo used to do in the 90s. It's uh, bigger than the uh, Violet Wars plus Rumble Pack box. It is. <laughs> I think it's bigger than the average. Bear, boo, boo. Oh, a player's guide. Yeah. This is like a Nintendo Power type. Thing, it is. It? I think it was originally from Nintendo Power, but it's written by an English guy who used to be the editor of Cube magazine mm. called Miles something. I can't remember. Did the they do name. this because of the game is a little bit of a maze, isn't it? Um, it's just so a thing that Nintendo started doing in the nineties. I think this think may have been one of the about first people not getting everything out of the game because they'd get lost or frustrated with it. So. Possibly. I mean, that was the idea behind yeah. Nintendo Power from the start, yeah. that they would, you know, help the the kids who weren't as quick on the mark doing these games and stuff. But it's just... Oh, they've sacrificed uh, instructions. Well, yeah, they? you know, in all fairness, them giving you a black and white instructions manual when they give you Which a 70... Which is not in English. Oh, I don't care. The player's <laughs> guide is. Um, when it's, you know, a 72-page manual... Mm, it's got Everything you need to know is in the other one. There's some nice creatures in this game, aren't there? Yeah, Ooh. Super Metroid, man. Yeah, they did it a lot. Um, like I said, I know Earthbound's in a big box too. Uh, some of the Enix RPGs are in Germany as well. I know there's a big box of Terranigma and a big box of Illusion of Gaia. But yeah, super, super happy to have it on the big box. It's going on the shelf. It's going to be a proper display copy. And... Amazingly, I can now flog my cart on and I will have lost nothing. I will have gained a big box. You can sell that cart for that much money. Yeah, the cart's worth about 30 quid now. It's really? a bit crazy. Cause Still, I even when you can download it, even like you have for the Wii U. Yeah, I bought it for three kroner on um, the Wii U marketplace a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, collectors, man. Mm. This is why people go, you know, three-hour train rides to other towns to get games is the thrill of the hunt and stuff. <laughs> You're really getting into this. Uh, hunting for games yeah, in Denmark, yeah. it seems to be your like your mission to get things from Denmark, which are well, it's know, more of a challenge. Ground. Yeah, like I, I just see people, you know, like um, I, I mention him every week, and he's now on another retro gaming podcast, which I'll plug at the end. But um, the retro hunter, just some of the finds he finds, I just have inspired me to go out and try and get cool stuff again in Denmark without having to pay eBay prices, mm. and it happens. Also, alongside that, I picked up a copy of Final Fantasy Mystic Quest for the Game Boy, boxed, and a copy of a JRPG called Sword of Hope. Fortunately, the Sword of Hope cart is in Swedish. Fortunately, the box and the manual aren't, so I can just swap mm. the cart out and then I have a complete thing. And it's not that expensive, which is good. So if you're Swedish, let us know. We, I may swap a cart for you. It's kind of something I want to do, and I'm going to start it off with... Mm. Yeah, I've got a cart of that. You don't even have to be Swedish, as long as you can understand Swedish. Yeah, exactly. If, if you know, you're Danish or Norwegian and you have a, a basic understanding of the Swedish language, then feel free to drop us a message. I'll send you a cart. Yeah, um, other than that, I picked up Shenmue and a Dreamcast. Oh, you have had such an exciting week. I you have. put mine to shame. Yeah, I'm sorry, Tom. <laughs> you know, Killzone 2. Killzone 1. Yeah, well, you've got a free copy Oh, got Killzone 2 okay. now. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I bought a Dreamcast and Shenmue. It's something I wanted to do for a while. Mentioned it on last week's podcast. Happened to browse eBay and think, oh, well, I'll have a look how much it is. And found very, very immaculate Dreamcast with, like, two memory cards, two controllers, Jet Set Radio, a racing game I can't Metropolis Street the, Racer. Metropolis Street Racer. It, and that deserves a lot of credit. Something I know you don't like racing. Grinding. Though. 
I can't remember. Trick style. Trick style, yeah. I uh, got that for £35, I think, for this Dreamcast, and it's immaculate. Yeah, it's that, that's, uh, that's good. I'm, I'm very happy for you when it comes to yeah. the, the, your purchase of a Dreamcast. And I got a copy of Shemu. Yay! And Yay. I, it seemed to be, from the description, the guy said that it was mint, and it's the same guy I bought the Dreamcast off of. Mm. So I trust his opinion of what is good Nick and what isn't, and he, he pretty much sold it because he was just having a clear out, and he bought the Dreamcast, much like I had for Shenmue, and apparently he said he couldn't get into it. He said the story and stuff were great. He said he didn't like the graphics. Yeah, I know. Didn't, I know, I know. It's all right. But yeah, uh, so the room. I got that. Um, got the new uh, Tales of Zillia game, which I haven't received yet. It's in the post from Amazon. That's actually a deal of the week as well. I don't know if it's still the same price, but I got for £30 off Amazon. Mm. And obviously, you, you get in the UK, there early with Amazon, and yeah, you can get some. Yeah, bargains. some great RPGs from them. And then another retro pickup, which I thought would be my only retro pickup of the week yesterday. I paid uh, 40 kroner. Oh, actually, I got more than this. I've forgotten. I uh, paid 40 kroner for a absolutely battered Game Boy Pocket. The The screen's in nice nick, but the actual Game Boy itself, it's a silver Game Boy Pocket. It's missing a back panel, all of the paint scratched stuff. Although it still manages to look pretty cool. I, li- I like the silver Game Boy Pocket. Yeah, it's pretty ace. With like, its uh, shiny trim around the screen. Oh, and the shiny trim around the screen's mm. nice. But I'm thinking of maybe taking it apart and customising it or respraying it. Mm. I'm going to keep the screen because the screen looks ace, but I might do something with it. But yeah, I paid 40 kroner for it uh, just because it came with a copy of Kid Icarus uh, on the Game Boy. Yes. Which I've always wanted to play. I've never played the NES one either, but yeah, 40 kroner, I couldn't go wrong. Um, picked up a copy of um, Sonic Adventures DX, the director's cut for the GameCube for 30 kroner because it was in a pretty mullet box. I uh, also got um, Michigan Report from Hell, which is a That's pretty fine. obscure PS2 game now. It's going for quite a bit on eBay. Um, paid 50 kroner for it. Suda 51. Suda 51, Grasshopper Studios. And you're reporting in a town that's kind of like Silent Hill mm. kind of thing where there's all these supernatural goings on and you're part of a film crew. Looks pretty cool. Can't wait to play it. Be unique. Very unique. Unique New York. And that's it, I think, for my bots. Have you bought anything else? Uh, I realise I have, actually. I thought you had. <laughs> I bought a little uh, something off eBay. It's uh, a 20-in-1 uh, thing. Okay. It's a little portable oh, console. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to say you bought some kind of like a knockoff cart then. You it's know? Kind of, it, I, d- I think it's officially licensed. I know the company who make these things are now doing officially licensed Sega stuff. Uh, so I think I'm pretty certain it must be licensed. Yeah. Uh, not sure on the quality of the actual unit itself, but, but I can imagine the D-pad's going to and the buttons are going to be a bit crappy. But, but if it's, it's anything like the Mega Drive one, it should have ports, though, right? I don't know. I think it's got a, just for the TV to put it into the TV. Uh, but okay. I don't know if you can actually. Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll I'll wait and see. But there's a few uh, Mass System classics on there, and short of having a Game Gear with a Mass System uh, converter, then uh, there aren't. Well, well there you are can get the Mega Drive the one as well, but that's a bit pricey. Yeah, and there are... Um, is there a Mega Drive one for Game Gear? No, no. I'm, no, I mean for the... To play Master System games. Uh, on the on Mega the Drive. Drive. But yeah. this, is, this is... We're talking portable. Portable here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess they are re- slowly releasing uh, Game Gear games on yeah. the uh, Virtual Console. But this little... It's not really portable, Alex. though, is it? It needs a television. What's that? This thing you've bought, it's not really a portable it is. system. It's got a screen. Really? 
Yeah. That's amazing. I didn't realise that. You didn't tell well, me that. It's close to the screen. It's like a little Game Boy. Oh, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm more enthralled about this now. I thought it was just like one of those little uh, like plug and play boxes. I wish I could show it here, but I can't seem to find it. Okay. Anyway, you were doing about the Mich- Michigan report from hell earlier. Yeah. Okay, so £17.20, £6 postage, buy it now. £16.29, If I remember right, though, those copies are in Spanish. Are they? They are. One is, at least. Hmm. I'm looking forward to this, actually. To yeah, I can't wait to give it a crack. I need to buy um, Rule of Rose as well, this now that we have an American. French. I don't know if it's got English screen text or not. Um, yeah, but this little uh, portable math system... Looks yeah. kind of fun. Twenty games. It's got it's got fantasy zone on there, and uh, Alex Kid. Fantasy so star? No, I, I don't know. I'll have to double check. Uh, but yeah, Should twenty quid. It yeah, is. it's not bad. Like uh, when with postage. Because when you told me about it, I thought it was just like you know the. I've seen a, a couple of them at car boots and things recently. I've just you know the thing that's like a little box and you plug it into the TV mm. and it's just got a controller on the front of it kind of thing. I didn't realise it was like a handheld. That's yeah, amazing. I'm just hoping the uh, emulation's all right on it. Ah, it should be. We'll see. It's not like Sega license anything, you know, without checking the quality first. <laughs> <laughs> Saw a really funny tweet. Um, guys at Sega Nerds podcast posted on the on Twitter the other day, and they said, you know, about the speculation that Amazon is going to release a its own Android console, they're starting to launch into the Android market this year, but there's rumours now they're going to create like an OER rival. And um, the guys from uh, Sega Nerd said, whether or not there is an Amazon Android console, we can guarantee one thing, if Amazon make it, Sega will port Sonic to it. Which is true, because Sega port Sonic to every system is the joke they're trying to make. But yeah, seems like a good purchase for 20 quid anyways. Well, plus postage. Yeah, seems all right. yeah. Well, we'll wait and see. Yeah, speaking of Sega as well, have you noticed the rumour flying around? Um, well, it's not even a rumour. It's confirmed by Forbes of Japan that they're in the bidding for Atlas. Yes, I heard you, you talking about this, actually. Yeah, um, Sega, in a surprise move, has astounded everyone because obviously people have thought, oh, Nintendo are going to buy them or Sony is going to buy them. And I started writing an article about it the other day and then didn't finish it. And then I heard this news. I was like, ah! Oh, Oh my god! And it didn't, you know, at first didn't really seem to make that much sense. The idea of Sega buying them, and then I found out the Sega publishes them in Japan. Kind of thought about it logically, and obviously Sega's got a lot of RPG franchises, such as uh, Valkyrie Chronicles. It's got Skies of Arcadia, or at least publishes them. Anyways, I mean, Fantasy Star as well. It could be cool because it could put these JRPG franchises in the hands of an amazing RPG developer, mm. which would be ace. But a lot of Sega's titles, such as Valkyrie Chronicle 3, don't get localized outside of Japan. Mm. So now everyone's starting to worry, because obviously if they take Atlas, Persona games will make it, but maybe not the Shimakami Tensai games yes. again, maybe not the Etrian Odyssey titles. Yeah. And it's a bit worrying. But at the same time, kind of excited to see what comes of all this. Obviously, if it comes to the Wii U, it's going to be the saving grace of Nintendo, I think. If they can get this publisher, because obviously it's a niche, but look at things like Operation Rainfall last year, where the games that weren't ported to America, Xenoblade Chronicles, Last Story and Pandora's Tower, 
and that momentum to push Nintendo to launch this these games in America. People are passionate about Japanese role-playing games, and hopefully that'll come. Because, I mean, I don't think if Sega buy them, they will get the same thing. I don't think if people go, oh, Sega, you need to release this, you need to release this, that they'll listen. Whereas I think kind of Nintendo are a bit more savvy sometimes with that. But then again, it took them 19 years to release Earthbound in Europe. So what am I doing? I'm going to come out right now and say I love the Wii U. Okay. It's uh, my console of choice at the moment. Because uh, earlier on, uh, I was watching uh, Monsters, Inc. with a couple of friends, and Matt texted me and said, oh, can you get a download on for the new Wonderful 101 demo? And it was like, instead of having to interrupt the film, I was able to pick up the gamepad, you know, turn the Wii U on, and simply press a couple of buttons and be downloading the demo like that without interfering with what I was doing. We've watched several movies, and then if I get bored of the movie, I can pick up my so Wii U gamepad. So that's why you're picking up your Wii U gamepad. Well, actually, no, it's because I want to complete Earthbound because I'm enjoying it so much. I've just been playing Earthbound. He's playing Earthbound. We're watching Rain Man. Yeah, in all fairness, Rain Man was really good, and I kind of paused Earthbound. And <laughs> well, you, yeah, I, I was impressed because you certainly knew what was going on. So Yeah, I wasn't that <laughs> enthralled with it to start off with. I was just kind of grinding on Earthbound, so it didn't really take that much. It was just me kind of walking into mm. monsters and killing them, so... But yeah, Earth, Rain Man and Earthbound, <laughs> both very good. It's a great combination, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, the, the console is fantastic. And I was going to pick one up myself recently, but uh, that was when they, when they were £200 on Amazon. And now they've gone up. I think they're like 260 now for the uh, the black unit with the, the big hard drive. Um, it's kind of interesting, though, because like obviously Amazon had this massive price drop on them. And... And then as this came out and said, well, we're not going to stock them anymore because of the backlog we've got kind of thing. So they are not selling them anymore in the UK. And then Amazon was just like, okay, this is our cue for it to put it back up. Mm. doesn't make any sense. You would have thought they would have kept it low and then got consumers who would have bought it maybe from Asda to mm. buy it from them. Yeah. But eh, it, I guess, you know, the resurgence of these games, like a Pikmin coming out and Wonderful 101 and stuff, I guess it's... Kind of gone, okay, console's back in demand. Now we can put it back up. Yes, perhaps that's exactly what it is. Uh, yeah, Bayonetta is coming out sometime, isn't it? Soon that's another one to look out for. I don't think it's in the next couple of months, so I think not? it's early 2014. I could uh, be wrong. Could be completely wrong. Yeah. I'm, I'm most excited about Killer is Dead at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I should be getting that. When's it out? Uh, end of the month. Oh, that's pretty August. good. I yeah. can't wait to play that. Uh, Dead or Alive uh, 5 Ultimate I want to pick up as well. Yeah, I'll be picking up a Wonderful 101. Well, depending on the demo, I haven't mm. got a chance to play yeah, it. I'm still going to buy it. I've got to support this console, even though Nintendo has some pretty terrible business practices at the moment. Not as bad as Microsoft, though, who are flippy-flopping all over the flippy-flopping shop. <laughs> now you're getting a headset with your Xbox One at launch, everybody, because it's stupid that they were cutting that corner. Mm. Um, but then they... Well, cutting corners on a console already cost 450 quid. Cutting corners on a console will cost 450 quid when you've pissed enough people off already is not a good idea. No. And yeah, they've gone, hey, well, you get a headset now. And then they've taken all of the cool Xbox One features, like the ability to broadcast your stream on Twitch and to record video and stuff. You have to pay for Xbox Live Gold to have that now. Mm. Whereas Sony have just been like, yep, free on our console. So it seems to be this constant battle at the moment. <laughs> Microsoft just I doing know, I something. I want to keep out of it and <laughs> play on the Wii. Completely ridiculous. And yeah. then Sony just going, ah, I'm playing a one-up. It's like just, you know, 
Microsoft and Sony are in this intergalactic game of Uno, mm-hmm. and Microsoft just keeps getting pickup twos from Sony, yeah. and then they kind of got to backtrack. And then when they come out with something, they're just like, okay, we've given you a headset. And then Sony just like, oh no, one card left. But yeah, I oh, I was really gutted though. The release date, the speculated release date of the PS4 in Europe is actually the 13th of December, which means that once I buy that console, I will probably have a week, mm-hmm. if not a little bit more, to go play it before I need to go home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Fortunately though, can take my Wii U with me. Um, kind of light and compact and as is apparently a growing trend in american airports now people taking their wii u console along with them plugging it in the side and then just turning the gamepad on mm. it's almost like a game gear tom a <laughs> little bit bigger a little bit well you've got another box with it you know oh you do have to have a mains that's true well you did with a game gear <laughs> Yeah, Zing. I've been seeing this on uh, eBay lately a lot, and, and I find it a lot when people selling Game Boys, they'll they'll know that. Mo- oh, sorry, not Game Boys, Game Gears. Is a lot of them don't work. Who's been and, selling Game Boys? Where? <laughs> a lot of them are refurbished, uh, which interests me a lot because they say that they can get the battery life up to eight hours as opposed to two hours, and it's always um, made me hold off getting a Game Gear because of this low battery life and and such. Uh, so, looking at the price of refurbished ones, I may be willing to, to splash out on a Game Gear at some really? point. Really? You yeah. think you're going to get one? I might do. Are there really any games you want for the Game Gear? I'm not that familiar with it. I played it once or twice, and I played the Sonic games, and I was like, oh, Sonic, great. I like the but unit itself. I, I quite like the weight of it. I quite like how substantial it feels. And I used to, I have m- memories of it because my next door neighbour had one, and I used to borrow it every now and again and play yeah. uh, Hang On. Super Hang On. Yeah, uh, I remember just playing it in bed and loving the music so much and I could just play Super Hang On for hours. And uh, and, and I don't know, it's something about the experience of playing it on the Game Gear that's always stayed with me. And that's how I remember Hang On most fond- fondly. That's the Game cool. Gear version. <laughs> so when you said you, you played it for hours, just for clarification, you had it plugged into the mains? Aha! No, I probably played it as long as the battery life. Yeah. So he played it for Two hours, 30 minutes. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I would play it for a while, yes. And of course, it had a uh, Triple Trouble on it. Yeah. Uh, Sonic Triple Trouble, a good one. Uh, Has it got any exclusive Sonic titles that have been released Triple anywhere Trouble, else? but that's recently been re- released on the uh, 3DS. And then Sonic Gems Collection as well had it. Oh, okay. So, uh, and then Sonic Drift and Sonic Drift 2, but then since then, I think they've been released on the 3DS. Sonic Spinball, or was that Mega Drive? There's a version of Sonic Spinball for the Game Gear, as there was for the Master System. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sonic Chaos was only on my system and uh, I never Game really Gear. got that like anytime I listen to American podcasts and stuff and they talk about games like pinball seemed to be a massive massive deal in the states and you know I like a pinball game I had true pinball for the Playstation 1 played a lot of it Pokemon pinball for me on the uh, Game Boy yeah but like I, what's the fascination with pinball machines like really pinball's a good game yeah no, but Play one pinball title. Oh, I don't know about that, man. Like, you know, there's some changes and stuff to it. Then pinball's got some very nice uh, variety in tables. And did you ever used to play that one on the PC? Which one? Oh, the one that came, like, with default with your windows, yeah. What's that called? I don't know. Space Cadet Table, I think. Okay. Yeah. Mm. That was was all right. I used to play that for a while. 
I don't think I really played it that much. Like, to be honest with you, I, I played Solitaire quite a lot. I don't know why. Yeah, like, I'm thinking back it? to it. Like, I used to play it a lot with cards. Like, when I was in my grandmother's house, I'd mm. just play Solitaire. My, my parents would... I think that's mostly what they used the PC, PC for, playing Solitaire and Spider Solitaire and Free Cell. Yeah. You know, they, they'd play these games for quite a while. My mum would always be up there. That was an end. My dad, the first thing gets up at the weekend, you know, he'd be in his dressing gown playing uh, Solitaire. Solitaire. Or, yeah, he was more into Freestyle and maybe Spider Solitaire, I think. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's, you know, the first sign of, like, what we know now is, like, casual gaming. It's just people playing these free games that Microsoft chucked in with their <laughs> PCs when they couldn't be asked to do work. Yeah. There's a whole kind of area of gaming there. Uh, the PC casual built-in game. Yeah. Hmm. It's a certain... It seems like maybe we've lost a little bit now. We're spoiled for choice. Well, Minesweeper, you know? That used to be the height of... Uh, I was never good at Minesweeper. I, there's there's maths and stuff behind it, right? Like, I don't know, obviously, like, when you click something, it'll tell you how many squares away you are from a mine mm. and all this kind of stuff. But a guy my brother used to know, he used to play it on, like, the hardest difficulty. Mm. And, like, you know, he wasn't... He, he didn't seem that smart in the offset, just must have had an amazing head for maths because he used to sit down and just go... That's impressive. Yeah. Do you remember uh, pipe dreams? Pipe dreams? No, I don't remember that one. You had to place the pipes down. There were tiles and you had to oh, get the, yes, the stuff I to flow do. through. Yeah, you have to get it to throw through the water and there's yeah. obstacles then, yeah. like rocks and stuff, and you have to avoid the rocks. Yeah, it's really yeah, cool. Yeah, that was hard. I really I liked thought. that. I used to play Chips Challenge more. I had that built in too. What's Chips Challenge? Oh, a classic kind of top-down kind of maze game where you guys this guy could chip through little mazes and it was conveyor belts and obstacles in the way and you had to collect all the little uh, microchips. No, that's I've pretty cool. I've um, got a portable version of it for the Lynx. Yeah, that's pretty ace. Yeah. I had Theme Hospital, I think, was like one of my main PC games. Theme Hospital, Oh, but yeah, Theme you Park. paid for that. No, they came free. And Dungeon I Keeper too. Yeah. Came free. I, I had a big software pack of like fifty software titles when I bought wow. my first PC. That's fantastic. Yeah, they were in there. Um and then I, I had the best I got was under one Dalmatians Print Studio. Yeah. And my uh, Magic School Bus. I had I had the Magic School Bus <laughs> game. I never played it, it never worked. I also got um Art Attack and that never worked. Mm. But I got I got Baldur's Gate as well. My mate Andrew, I remember, made me a a dubiously legal copy of Baldur's Gate 2, mm. and that was pretty fun. Whatever happened to this um, Atari? No, not Atari, Amiga. Amiga. Amiga 500. I haven't talked with Klaus about it. Um, <gasps> a good friend of ours, Klaus, who actually composed our theme tune. Go yeah. listen to his SoundCloud. There's a link always in the description. Uh, offered us an Amiga 500 the other day, and we haven't really talked about it, but yeah, I'm kind of up for getting it because I want to play I I really want to bring Island. my Amiga over, Yeah. and it's too heavy. Yeah. So uh, it'd be great to purchase one here in Denmark. So I now bring over my Amiga games. Yeah, yeah I'm good at that. I've got a few as well. I've got like Simon the Sorcerer. I've got Monkey Island. I've, I've got uh, Lemmings 2. <laughs> yeah, as we uh, found out the last week as it popped up. Was that for yours, the Amiga? Right? No, that was in, yeah, that was Ward of Lemmings. So, oh, okay. uh, more, slightly more obscure. I've got a few other games. I've got Lethal Weapon. I've got Robocop 3. But do you need the I've manuals for most of these? Because my, my annoying experience of the Amiga with the yeah. piracy thing. I had Alfred Chicken for the Amiga. That's what yeah. I just realised. That's where I played that the first time was on the Amiga, not the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. Because like when my brother bought his Amiga, he just got an absolute ton 
of like copied floppy disks mm. and like floppy disks that came with magazines that had like Zool on them and mm. stuff like full games for the Super Nintendo getting given away with a Amiga magazine. I've also got Loom. Have you ever heard of Loom? LucasArts uh, point and click event. Oh again. man, you got that? Yeah. That's pretty obscure from what Is I it? understand. Yeah. Oh, not not the re-release. I think it was re-released as well. I think I've got a re-release version of it. But oh, it's, okay. Uh, yeah, it's a great game. You know what about <laughs> the Amiga, though? I played an Amiga when I was rather young. A friend of mine had one, and it's only quite recently I got my own Amiga. And uh, one thing I, I forgot about them was the load times on things. Yep. Oh, yes. You'll be waiting a while as that floppy dish chugged along. It's not as bad as the Commodore 64, though. <laughs> I remember literally going and having, like, my mum putting tea on, me going and eating, you know, my chick sticks and mashed potato 25 minutes later and then i'd come back sit down and then i'd have to hope that rampage would play because mm-hmm. it was so temperamental but yeah good times oh yeah good times yeah, and now i just gaming. go nuts anytime the wii u takes more than like three minutes to load yeah. something what has the word come to yeah well we've uh we've covered uh, a lot of areas of right there yeah even gone more retro than we usually do. We delved some of the, the depths of our knowledge for Amiga 500 stuff, which is a bit... Game Gears and yeah, Math yeah. Systems and... Game Boys. Game Boys. Oh, give me Matt's Game favorite. Boy. Uh, but I hope we've given you something to think about. Hopefully, yeah. Um, we've kind of... Or whenever you're listening to it. <laughs> to harken back to the beginning of the episode. Yes, thank you for sticking with us. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we've tried to keep it on somewhat of a format this week. We're kind of trying to go back to old grounds and we're going to be introducing a few other things. Also, um, the Blast Process podcast may or may not be back very soon. Oh, you're teasing um, now. I am teasing. Well, we'll just say we're recording a new uh, Blast Process show tomorrow night. Yes. Wow. Wow. Okay. Now well, I'll uh, be on it. It'll be the yes, first time. Yes, it'll be very exciting. Uh, for those unfamiliar, the Blast Process show was very, well, reasonably similar to what we have now in the Tom and Matt show, but uh, we did a few, uh, we took things up. We talked more about general game news for the week, and uh, we had uh, a few little uh, competitions on there and it quizzes. It was a lot more topical. Uh, yeah, there was, there was more of a variety show than Tom and Matt Attack is. Yeah. So if you want something a little bit different that still features our voices. It'll still be on the same website you got this from, unless you're using, yeah, we'll post it on Twitter anyway, it don't matter. Yeah, uh, and you get to meet uh, some of the other lovely blast processors from around the globe. You do. I'm sure some <laughs> of you are from already familiar with them anyways. Um, I, I do send out a follow Friday whenever I remember on Friday to all the processors. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them tweeted us and we retweet stuff. So yeah, um, that'll be fun. I'll send a link out tomorrow when that gets posted. Um, if it gets it won't get posted tomorrow. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean. At <laughs> some it gets point, posted. probably midweek, you'll be seeing that one. Yeah, um, yeah as always... Follow us on Twitter, at TMACast. Like us on Facebook, which is forward slash Tom and Matt Attack. And rate and review in iTunes, please, please, please. Um, it's always good to know. Also, let us know if you use Stitcher, because a few people have complained this week that we're not on Stitcher. I'm kind of weary about it, because I remember there was a big scandal with a lot of bigger podcasts who have a couple of thousand subscribers, and Stitcher was kind of using the... Uh, own streams instead of the podcasting streams, so they were getting wrong numbers of how many people were actually listening and mm. stuff. So I was a bit weary, but I think they may have sorted that out now. And if you use Stitcher and you would like us to be in Stitcher, let us know and I'll sign up for an account. Yeah, okay. Until next week, game on. Game on. Bye. Bye. Bye.